This is the Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. I'm your host, Charlie McDermott. Welcome to episode number 832 of the Good Neighbor Podcast. And today, boy, nothing like a good neighbor like Dan. Dan Bilzar, his company, Bone Hook Brewing Company. Dan, how you doing? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me today. Oh, thanks for being a part of the show. And, you know, when I get on the website and, you know, we were talking off mic for a few months, I, I, I don't know, Cheers comes to mind. You know, did, did, were you a fan of Cheers? Absolutely. Norm and right. Cliff, absolutely. <laughs> Place where everyone knows your name. It feels like home or at least your second home, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and I know that's what, what you're all about and your family and, and all that. So thrilled to have you on the show. So let's start for our listeners who don't already know you. How couldn't they? I? I mean, you have an awesome location right on the corner there. Bone Hook Brewery Company. Fill us in on what you're doing there. Okay, well, uh, I could take you back a little bit. Uh, Bone Hook opened up in uh, 2017. It was uh, three engineers who were brewing out of their garage and they decided they wanted to go commercial. So they opened a 3,300 square foot brew pub or a tap room and brewery uh, mm-hmm. right on a Motley Road. And uh, it was a small place. And at the time I was working for a restaurant group and I was buying beer from them and long, long story. But I became our group became their number one client. And I said, hey, you know, we're going to really grow and you need to expand the brewery to satisfy our needs. And at the time next door was a different restaurant that was going out of business. So I recommended to him, why don't you knock the wall down, turn it into a brew pub, expand the brewery, and then we can really get going. And then uh, long story short, many moons had to align. They basically said, you know what? We're not really proficient at running a brewery, nor do we know how to run a restaurant. And that's kind of your area of expertise. Why don't you do it? Uh, so I could spend an hour and a half on how long it took to make it happen. But long story short, I took over in July of 2018. We knocked down the wall uh, and turned a 3,200 square foot tap room and brewery into a 10,000 square foot brewery and brew pub. So, so we have a working restaurant and the brewery has been expanded. And so now we have our own little footprint right there on Motley Road in Goodlet Frank. Yeah, you sure do. Wow, ten thousand square feet—that's a—that's sizable. Good for you. Yeah, we, you know, we went from eight employees and thirty-two hundred square feet to seventy employees, and you could tell I got a little gray hair because of it. Um, it, it was wow. a challenge. I jumped in the deep end, and you know, I—I uh, I had moved down to Atlanta. Uh, from Atlanta, I was a trader on a stock exchange and, and a day trader for seventeen years, and knew that. Um, if I'm going to take a risk and move my family down, I'm going to go all in. And yeah, this was the yeah. opportunity to go all in. And, uh, you know, I learned from the bottom up how to run a brewery and a brew pub. I mean, I started, you know, with Rosalita in the back room, learning how to cut the celery. And I cooked on the line and I ran the front of the house and I assisted the brewer. And, you know, as a hands-on owner, which is, I think, the only way you can do it in a small mm. business, you got to know everything. So I mm. learned from day one, the ins and outs of every single part of the brewery, the brew pub. And uh, I think it makes it the most effective way to lead is when you're leading by example. Yeah. You know, and, and my attitude is, listen, I own Bonehook Brewing Company. And I know the next employee that comes in, my job is to teach them to care as much about Bonehook as I do. And inherently, that's impossible because I'm the owner. Yeah. But how do I do that? How do I try to achieve that? You know, I lead by example. I tell them, you're never going to outwork me. 
but you can try to keep up. And <laughs> I'm never going to ask you to do something I haven't done. And let's work hard, play hard. And that's yeah. kind of the attitude that we have and the culture that we've built at Bonehook, which I think is extremely important when you're building a business, is to make sure everybody believes in what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. It's that why, right? You know, why are we doing this? And uh, having that belief, and, and in your case, that passion. I mean, it comes through every every word you you say. You can tell you've got that passion, and it it truly is a family based business too, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, my wife owns our distribution company. So uh, there's a three tiered system in the United States. You can either own a brewery, own the distribution company or own a liquor license and retail. So legally, I can't own it. But it's you know, it happens across the country where like a, a husband wife team will one will man the brewery, one will man the distribution. So we are able to basically control the whole process and vertically integrate from producing the beer to delivering it in the marketplace which makes it uh, much easier to keep track of what's going on. You can, it's very easy to know, Hey, listen, if you're out of beer, you can always call the brewery owner and he'll have the beer to you in an hour. And I think that's a little niche that we have because most of these distribution companies are much bigger and they have their advantages because of size, but we also have our advantages because we're nimble and able to kind of have a more personal feel to what we're doing. I mean, every once in a while, it's not very often you're going to get the head of, Anheuser-Busch to walk into your place and say, thank you for serving Bud Light. But I'll walk into a place and say, hey, you know, I really appreciate what you're doing with Bonehook and, you know, keep supporting try to show people that, yeah, we're a family-run business. You know, my wife runs that company and, you know, my kids, they're uh, 17, 15, and 13. They work at Bonehook once in a while. They'll host us or serve. And, you know, in a pinch, which during COVID, I could talk about that for days. I mean, at the time, I had my 11-year-old behind the bar serving beer. You know, we did whatever we did. We had a big family meeting and said, you know, we're shut down. I just mm-hmm. had to fire 40 people. And we as a family have to make a decision to rescue this business to get these 40 people back working again. Mm-hmm. And so it's not about, you know, as kids, you know, it's not about, hey, when are you going to go out on the boat again? It's about what can we do to keep mm-hmm. Bonebook alive? Yeah. And we all pitched in and, and worked hard to get the business back up. I mean, my kids would come up and we started doing a canning business. So we would have like a canning party and my 13 year old would bring her three friends up and they would hand roll our labels on the cans just so we can get beer out into different places. Wow. We had never done cans before, but during COVID we needed to find um, new avenues to put yeah. our brand because everything was just sitting in the brewery. So, you know, from day one, it's, you know, the family has been a big part of keeping the business going. Wow. And what an experience for the kids. I mean, to be able to go through that and and understand how important it was and be a part of your success. Uh, that's uh, that's a really, really great story. And well, it must if be- my kids told the story, they, they tell it, well, dad had a big meeting and basically I thought I was saying, you guys have to make a decision you know, to help. And they were like, no, no, you just told us you're going to help run. Yeah. The, the so they, they, but you're right. They did. It was a very big learning lesson. You know, how to run a business, yeah. what work ethic it takes to make something successful, how to be selfless. Yeah. And, you know, for the greater good of, you know, I was talking about not just our family needs this because we'll be okay, but every cook on the line, you know, every, mm-hmm sales rep, every assistant manager, every bartender is going to be relying on us to find mm-hmm. a way to get through COVID. Yeah. And, you know, it's, 
it was the first time, you know, it was real responsibility for them. And I think it, it you know, it really was a great thing for them, for our family, mm-hmm. and even for Bonehook, because down the road, you know, there is a sense of um, respect that when we say it's family owned, the people who've been around know that, hey, what's that 12 year old doing rolling cans over there? Like, yeah, that's my daughter. She's <laughs> helping us do it. And so, you know, it, it takes away, I think, you know, everyone wants to be hyper local. And I think associating yeah. local with community, you know, you put that family aspect, it just goes hand in hand with, with yeah. what I think people appreciate. Yep. I agree. I agree. And so cool that you're in other, I mean, it must be, must be neat to go into whatever other restaurants or taverns and see bone hook there. I mean, how far reaching, how, where else uh, can folks find bone hook? So we're in uh, about 130 different retail outlets. We yeah. go all the way down to Key West. So down at the Pinchers wow. on uh, the 700 Duval uh, area, Hogs Breath down in the Keys. Oh. Uh, and we go up to Sarasota and we have a little sprinkling in the Miami area. Um, you know, down to Everglades City uh, and Marco Island. So, you know, we, uh, yeah. we're slowly but surely growing. You know, it starts with small concentric circles. Let's just hit places a mile away from Bonehook and, you know, yeah. move our way out. And at the end of the day, if you have good product, you can't just sell a story. You know, at the end of the day, the customer is going to open a can of beer and they're going to try it. And if they like it, they'll buy it again. And if they don't, yeah. they won't. But I have an extremely good brewer. His name's Bill Vaughn. And he's just so multifaceted and can make a great style, a great porter, you know, all the way to a great Irish red. And <laughs> our IPAs are fantastic. I, I can't believe how many good beers he can make. You, yeah. Most brewers have a specialty. He's really good at a wide range of different product. And that mm. really, at the end of the day, if you don't like the beer, you're not going to buy it again. Yeah. So yeah. I, I owe a lot to him because the quality product he produces is amazing. Yeah. It could be a podcast in and of itself, but uh, we won't. Well, maybe maybe I'll stop by on Friday and we'll do another one. Uh, Please do. <laughs> you're in <Please> hand. Do. <laughs> How about when it comes to uh, speaking of mis- misconceptions? Wow, Dan gets to sit around and drink beer all day. What do you hear from a, a myth misconception standpoint that you can speak to? Well, I, I mean, there's a lot I could go into. I think first and foremost, when when people will say, Hey, are you the owner? And you know, my first answer is yes. That just means I get to clean the bathrooms. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah. not, it's not real. You know, it's the word owner it is a title. Glamorous, but uh, yeah. You yeah. Know you know, reality. owner is yeah. a title, but I think it, it needs to be earned and respected. And once again, it goes back to, you know, having your hands on everything and the public and rightfully so likes to see the owner working, you know, and likes to see, my presence around. And of course I like it as well, but it's, it it adds to that community feel. Um, I will say this uh, as a misconception, I get a lot of calls for charity work and donations and things like that. And as much as I like them and you know, everybody's charity and everybody's donation ideas are fantastic. I mean, there aren't any bad ones, but I think the misconception is, and I hate to use this word, but like a brewery is a soup kitchen. And people just call up matter of factly thinking, hey, can you donate this, this and this? And it's like, you guys got to realize we actually are a business. You know, this isn't just a free service. We've gone through COVID. We've gone through a hurricane. We went through our first year opening. You know, it's a struggle to keep this business alive and just giving out 
without some kind of reciprocity, mm-hmm. reciprocity or symbiotic relationship it is a difficult process to ask mm-hmm. a brewery to go 30 miles and donate beer. I mean, that's time, effort, energy. And there's just yeah. not a lot of that around in order to be successful. Yeah. Um, so yeah. what I really ask of the charities that I work with are, you know, a, a, a two way street. You support me and I'll support you. You know, and I think that's a fair way to look at it. But when someone out of the blue calls up and just expects me to donate two cases and go do a tasting up in Fort Myers, it's like that's a, a, a big ask. You know, yeah. my time, considering the stuff that I do is so valuable, it, it's hard to say yes to everyone. Yeah. It's, you know, you have to pick and choose at that point. But, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an honor to even be asked to do things, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's, you know, three years ago, I was struggling just to get my name out there. And now, you know, we get calls all the time for things. So it's, uh, yeah. it's, uh, it shows that we're moving in the right direction. And the name recognition is uh, starting to spread. Yeah. But now you, you bring up a, a great point. I mean, there, there's so many great nonprofits, charities in the area and, and you are again, right on the corner there uh, on Immokalee and you can't miss it. And, and I think, you know, the, the food places, whether they be breweries or restaurants, they tend to get, you know, hit the most when it comes to, cause everybody likes food, everybody likes beer and, That's and true. you know, why not? It doesn't cost you anything, Dan, you just open up <laughs> another, you know, uh, so, uh, you know, they don't really, understand that's why most people don't get into business they don't really understand what it's all about and and if they did they probably wouldn't get into business in the first place but oh no oh no <laughs> it's not easy yeah yeah all right so outside of uh bonehook what are you doing for fun uh well that's funny you should ask so i have three daughters uh they all play competitive soccer and literally today um their high school is their first game and uh considering I'll probably be a part of the program at Baron Collier High School for the next six or seven years with my daughters playing. Oh, yeah. um, I am the stadium announcer for the oh, games, and I also awesome. help by running the concession stand for them. So uh, that's kind of what I do for fun. We just, the season starts today, and I've got two daughters that are playing varsity for Baron Collier and a third daughter who plays for the middle school team. So uh, cool. it's kind of becomes a family affair over there, which yeah. is a lot of fun. So we, we'll, we'll have an exciting couple months coming up. Yeah, neat, neat time. So, so soccer is a winter season then down here, right? Is that the uh, the deal that goes through? Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm play, still not uh, used to that. Yeah, they, to, they uh, play. Usually, it's uh, fall up north. Yeah, um, yeah. There's, I think, three states: Florida, Texas, and California play their soccer in the winter yeah. season. Yeah, why not? It's gorgeous, and yeah, yeah it, it would be hot in the early fall. It's a. Uh, all right. So how about when it comes to, <laughs> we've already touched on it, but hardship life challenge, what comes to mind uh period of time you were challenged, you got through it. And now looking back, you can say, Hey, because of that, we're better for it. We're stronger. Well, wow. I mean, every day is a challenge to be honest yeah. with you. Uh, and, and that's just kind of part of the uh, excitement of the business, but without a doubt was COVID. And, and I can go into a yeah. little bit of detail on that. So uh, it was Friday, March 20th, when the the governor at two o'clock in the afternoon announced that they're shutting down all restaurants due to COVID. Uh, bars and breweries were completely shut down. And yeah, you guys got hit first. We were, right? What's that? You guys got hit first before the rest of the wave. I mean, it, it was correct. It was, correct. Yeah. Yeah. And we were lucky enough because we had a restaurant side, we were considered a restaurant, not a brewery or bar. Okay. So we were allowed to have to go food. So, you know, this is all 
Friday at two o'clock. Okay, we're shut down. So I said to the staff, "Hey, listen, couldn't they have waited until the weekend was over? What the heck?" Well, you know, Friday and at two o'clock. <laughs> if you know anything about the restaurant business, you put your biggest food in order Friday morning, right? Oh. So here. You really couldn't have made it worse. And no offense to our governor. He's, yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's doing, business, yeah, but yeah. to shut down restaurants on 2 o'clock on a Friday, couldn't you wait until Sunday and at least let us I, know? I've was, seen people. That was one of many things that wasn't yeah. very. Uh, I, I, I mean, I've learned a few lessons during COVID. One is COVID doesn't attack you if you're eating and you take your mask off and, and eat. <laughs> and I think COVID is, is doesn't hurt you on the weekends. You can go out. So it, I think, you know, in retrospect, he, he could have shut us down on Monday rather than on a Friday afternoon. That would have been a little bit better. You live and learn. So, you know, so <laughs> to talk about hardships, so I said, well, listen, guys, you know, and, and oh, and just so happened that day, my neighborhood, Villages of Monterey, uh, a food truck wasn't available. So they called me last minute and said, hey, could you supply food for our party? And I said, well, I don't have a food truck, but I'm around the corner. Let's just put a bunch of orders in. We'll cook up here and I'll bring them down to you. So, oh, so every half hour, I would bring down six or seven orders, drive back up, pick them up. And we did it all night. And, you know, it was effective. And I was <laughs> like, okay, well, maybe this is something that we can do. So let's see on Saturday and Sunday. We'll yeah. advertise. We have to go orders and see what the community does for us. And you know, hopefully we can be supported. So on Saturday, we had three orders. Sunday, we had two orders. And on Monday morning, which was probably the most difficult day of my life, I had to tell all 42 employees, uh, you're fired. Yeah. And I didn't sugarcoat it. It wasn't like you're furloughed, you know, just hope. And we'll be as like, listen, guys, we had five orders over the weekend. This business is unsustainable as it is right now. Yeah. I promise you, I'm going to do everything I can to try to get this business back. But let me see what I can do. So what I did based on the Friday plan was I hatched a plan to talk to every board in the area that had communities that would allow us to come in and deliver food to everybody. So, you know, I ended up beg, borrowing and stealing and pleading to say to the board, like and presidents of neighborhoods in the area, like, listen, your people can't go out to eat. I can't serve here. Let's uh, invite me in and I'll put up a tent. We'll have beer, we'll have food and we'll do delivery service. We'll cook it fresh at Bonehook and bring it over. So sure enough, the first week we had three communities participate. The second week we had seven, the third week we had 13. And by the fourth week we had 21 communities. We were doing three a day and sure enough, it kept us in business. Wow. And what that did, and I can speak just for my own neighborhood. No one knew who I was personally or what I did for a living, but within a month, everybody knew that the Billsors owned Bonehook and it was right around the corner. Mm. And that could be said for all 21 communities. And right. sure enough, the people who were doing all this was my family. So right. I would go up, get the food. My wife and my kids would man the tent. And then they'd come, would come down and have their names on it. They'd collect the money and give it out. And so it, COVID put a face and a family behind Bonehook yeah. and an identity. And it was a grassroots approach that was really effective in, yeah. in retrospect. It made us stronger because yeah. we had name recognition. We were local. You know, we were supporting the communities. And one of the greatest things that I can remember about that time period, and it was obviously extremely difficult for a lot of businesses. Right. As I said, in the beginning, I was just so humbled and lucky and honored to be able to go into a neighborhood 
And I remember clearly the third week we were going into a neighborhood. And as I drove in and people were, you know, six feet apart, waiting in line, they all applauded. And they were just so happy to have yeah. a reason to gather house and to share yeah. a community moment. And it really hit me. It was a yeah. fantastic moment to say, oh, my gosh, it's not me wanting them. They actually need me now. Like, this is this is great. Like, we're getting somewhere. So it, 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 mm. there's a lot I can talk about with COVID. There were a lot of hardships. I had the, the, the postmaster general call me and tell me, you know, sir, that you're illegally putting flyers in the mail. And I said, yes, I do know I'm doing that. Uh, You know, I have a business to run. And they said, well, we have very cheap alternatives to doing that. And I told her, I said, besides free? (laughs) So sure enough, I couldn't put flyers in the mailbox. So we got Ziploc bags with a stone. And I put the menu in a note and saying, hey, we're coming to your community tomorrow. Please put an order in. Um, I've had the police come and shut me down because we went to a neighborhood. And it was in a park and the park was public. And someone called and said, that's illegal to have a bone hook. Tent. Oh, my and the cop came in and was like, I hate to do this. Yeah, I'll but, bet. You know, I, in my own neighborhood, the day that we were doing a, a, a food event, one of the neighbors objected and they took all my signs down and threw them in the garbage and they caught them on video doing it. And they want, I mean, the thing <laughs> you, you would think people, you know, there's all, it was, it was an amazing, and I, and I took notes on all this and eventually I'll probably write a book about it because yeah. You just couldn't believe the resistance I was receiving just trying to survive, you know, with my wife and my kids under a tent serving food. Like I, it demonstrated, you know, not only the work ethic, but the the desperation we had to stay alive and for our own neighborhood and a neighbor to say, we don't think this is a good idea. Let's throw all your, not only take your sides down, throw them in the garbage. (laughs) So, you know, it makes you stronger. You know, you're, yeah. I think yeah. I learned a lot about, you know, you can only do what you can do. You can only control what you yeah. can control. Yeah. There's always going to be someone who disagrees with the way you act, the way you talk, the way you work. And, you know, you got to have a thick skin and be able to just set, you know, be proud of what you're doing. Be confident in you're doing the right thing and let, yeah. and let, and let it just kind of yeah. land where it may. And yet another great lesson for your kids. You know? Oh, I mean, amazingly, yeah. I mean, they learned yeah. to count money, drawers, you know, making sure that, uh, you know, inventory was correct. And at the end of every mm-hmm. night, we'd come home, we'd bring the cash drawer, we'd say, okay, here are all the orders, here's what it costs, mm-hmm. is all that money in the drawer. And yeah, I mean, it, it was a really good life. It really sparked their interest in entrepreneurship yeah. Uh, yeah. on the business side. You, know, you, you don't learn those things in school, especially in yeah. middle school and high school. So there are life um lessons that can be learned, you know, that are applicable to the real world. Good stuff. How about one thing you wish our listeners knew about Bonehook? What would that be? Well, we are now partnered with the beer boat that goes out to Key Waden. So there's one boat allowed in the Gulf of Mexico under 150 seats that can serve beer and wine. And this woman, Yolanda, she got a license 15 years ago and literally it's illegal. Like you're the, the, the state won't allow it because you don't have enough seats. Somehow she slipped through the system oh my and goodness. she's been grandfathered in. So every Friday, Saturday and Sunday, all starting this weekend, we'll uh-huh. be on the beer boat with all of our products. Um, and it's, it's a good time. It's a lot of fun. It, it, it's a way for a whole new group of people to be exposed to Bonehook because you have, yeah. you know, people renting boats, people that live down on Marco, uh, people vacationing. 
And uh, it's a fun time. You know, we beach yeah. up on on uh, Key Waden and serve beer and wine all day. And it's uh, it's a good way to uh, enjoy your beach experience. Oh, for sure. For sure. That's great. Well, I know we have listeners, Dan, who want to learn more, want to get in touch, want to stop by. I mean, what's uh, go ahead and share the different ways I can get in touch with you or visit. Well, absolutely. First and foremost, come on by and, and visit us. We're open uh, 12 o'clock to 10 p.m. every day. We're on the corner of Immokalee Road, which, which is exit 111 off 75 uh, and the corner of Goodlett Frank. You know, 10,000 square feet right in the corner of Creekside Corners. Can't miss us. So come on in and say hi. I'm usually there. You know, ask for Dan. I'll come stop by your table, which I normally do anyway. Uh, any information that we put out is on uh, bonehookbrewing.com, the website. Like we're about to launch our uh, Christmas trolley rides through Victoria Park. So basically for 79 bucks, you get food, drink, jump on the trolley. We'll take you through Victoria Park and watch the Christmas lights, which is always a fun time. Yeah. You can sign up for that at um, bonehookbrewing.com. And then, you know, social media, we're, we're out every day posting a bunch of stuff. There's always action happening around our place. So it's a good way for you to keep up with what's going on. We have bands on the weekend, Friday and Saturday. We have trivia on Wednesdays and Sundays. So there's always something happening. Dang, sounds like, man, oh, man, you have a lot going on. That's great. Well, hey, I wish you the absolute best going forward. And uh, uh, now that we've uh, we've been migrated from Fort Myers Beach to Ave Maria, you're you're just down the road from me on Immokalee. So, uh, Barbara, I'm going to get by there and visit you, man. Please do. Happy yeah. to have you. I appreciate the time today. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast. To nominate your favorite local business to be featured on the show, go to goodneighborpodcast.com. That's goodneighborpodcast.com. Or call us at 239-224-4105.